Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. What a great start to the day. Uh, I'm excited to be able to bring this message to you today uh, on the topic of dating. Now, instantly married people are like, uh, been there, don't do that, right? Like, but here's what I need you to know. This message is for everybody. And so here's what I need, just to get a feel of the room, how many of you would say you are single? How many single, well, let me change, how many unmarried, because if I say single, you're sitting next to somebody, you're dating, I don't wanna get into any <laughs> defining of the relationships during the message. Unmarried people, raise your hands, unmarried, okay, all right. This message is for you. Married people, raise your hands. This message is for you. This message is for everybody. It's for me as well. Uh, because the topic of dating is something that uh, we've, all, we've all been there. We've all been a part of it uh, probably at some point. So here's what I want you to do because I want to get you kind of in the right frame of mind. I want every single person to think about your very first date you ever went on. Your first date ever. For some of you, that might have been, you know, the movies, the drive-in, could have been roller skating, little couple skate, could have been uh, maybe senior night at the bingo place, I don't know, like, depending on where you're at in life, could have been a couple different things, but think about that first date you ever went on. Think about the feelings, the emotions, the preparation that went into that first date. Take yourself back and remember that. Remember what it, what it felt like to, uh, you, know, you know, walk up to the door and to knock on the door and just nervous and like, you know, stand or maybe, you know, you bought flowers or maybe you had this, this great evening planned, you know, or whatever it was. Or maybe you're waiting on somebody to, to pick you up, to take you on that first date. And you think about the emotions, the anticipation of the first date. Man, dating was, is something that was like maybe a little bit nerve wracking, maybe made some of us a little anxious, but also made it was kind of, it's, it was exciting. It's an exciting thing. Just thinking about all the different things that went into that. But somewhere, sometime in our dating life, or maybe just in dating life in general over the years, dating took a, an ugly turn. It took a wrong turn, I would say. Because dating uh, took this, this evil turn and it became so much more about selfishness, about pride. It became this, this idea about what can I get out of this dating relationship. And so what I want us to do to be able today, to talk about today is, what if we flipped it? What if we flipped it back and we got to this point where we said, I want a gospel, a revolution of gospel-infused spiritual revolution in dating. What if we flipped it back to that? To make it less about ourself, more about relationships and connecting with one another. See, this message is for everyone because ultimately dating is about one of two things. Dating is either about friendship or it's about marriage. Those are the two options that dating is for. It's about community, connecting with other people, or it's about marriage and pursuing marriage or being involved in marriage. It connects to all of us. And so what we're going to look at today, we're really going to focus on a passage out of 1 Corinthians and uh, with some other supplemental verses that go along with that. But Paul's first letter to the Corinthians addresses many theological and practical questions and the idea here is that it has this overarching theme of unity with humility and love. That's what this book is about. But how can we be united with humility and love? Because you see the church at this time, but also even the church in the world now is fractured. And it's fractured mainly due to pride and mainly due to selfishness. 
And so Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians, this idea of being united with humility and love. But what happened with this, this idea of selfishness and pride, that it's led to this skewed view of the gospel in our sinful attitudes, in our, in our speech, in our, in our choices, in our, our knowledge, in, the, in relationships, and all the things that we are involved in day in and day out. And so let's look at this passage of Scripture. It's right there on your outline, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. It says, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. He who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Now, I know if some of you are out of the fact, you're like, uh, Scott, this doesn't say dating anywhere in it. You're right. Because you know what? Dating is not mentioned anywhere in the Bible. Not one time will you find the word dating. Because the idea of dating is only about 120 years old. It's a new thing. The idea of dating, this, this terminology of dating, and when dating actually began and became this thing, dating, the term, the word for dating is actually a euphemism for prostitution. That you exchange sexual favor for an experience. It's the root of the word, really, when, when it comes to dating, and uh, honestly, it's much still how the world dates today. To exchange sexual uh, favors for an experience. It's selfish, it's prideful. And what Paul does here in 1 Corinthians is he's arguing that uh, Christ-exalting, cross-defined love must replace our puffed-up pride and selfishness. He urges a return to the gospel where pride is replaced by a servant heart of love and unity. And this idea is how we can flip the script on dating to being selfless rather than selfish. And so my first point for you this morning, if you're taking notes, your first truth is this. Flip the script from who to what you pursue. Flip the script from who to what you are pursuing. What are you pursuing? Not the who, but what. When I was going through uh, premarital counseling with my wife, uh, my uncle was the, the pastor that actually did our, our wedding. He did some counseling with us. And he taught uh, just a great uh, explanation about how the best equation for marriage is me and my spouse joined together while also being joined to God. It's a real love triangle that you have me and my spouse that we're connecting together, but we are also connected to God. And the closer we grow to God, the closer we grow together. This should not only be the same thing in our marriages, but in our dating and in our friendships. That when we connect with one another, if we are both pursuing after God, we will grow closer together through that. So this is this, the best equation possible. And the reality is this. That there are many, many people to choose from to date or marry, but there's only a few places to look for them, for the right people. That's one of the reasons we have a young adult ministry here. It's one of the, the things that I oversee. I have young adults come to my house on Tuesday night every week, and we eat dinner, and we hang out, and we do some fun stuff throughout the year. Uh, and in fact, today, right after the second service, we have a lunch available for all of our young adults to come and just to meet other young adults, because there's a lot of you, and you just need to connect, because we want to offer you an opportunity in a place, in a space to connect other than having to meet or connect at a bar, at a club, randomly on the street. We wanna give you this connection of being able to meet because you are both here and connecting to the Lord. So to pursue after him. Now, I think that what we need to realize is that there are a lot of people in this world that we could all go after. But it's not so much about the who as it is about the what. Now, my wife, Lori, and I, uh, we have different interests. We have a lot of things that are the same, but we have some different interests uh, in our life. Many of you married people would, would agree to that and attest to that as well. And the fact is that with 8 billion people in the world, 
there is most likely a better match for me and a better match for my wife. The odds are that there is somebody that matches up with every single interest I have or every single interest that she has, but she is the one because we chose to marry each other. We stood before God. We made a, a covenant and a pact to say, we know this is who we are. We are joining together and married, or in marriage, and we are, we are being united together through God. So we've made this union. We've made this, this covenant. Too many people approach the idea of dating with finding the one. You've heard this, right? You've been this person. Like, I just got to find the one, the one. Man, if I find the one, everything will be perfect. Everything will be easy. It will be just incredible if I find the one. This is a myth. You know how I know this? Because if you focus on finding the perfect one, you will never find them. You know how I know? Because they're out busy riding unicorns with Bigfoot. That's why. <laughs> they don't exist. There is not a perfect person. It's that we connect and we love each other despite our flaws and our struggles and our sins. It's a myth. We need to date less chaotically and look more specifically. Well, how do I know what I'm looking for, Pastor Scott, if I don't date around? Because that's the wrong attitude to have. That's the wrong mindset. That's like throwing ideas out, just seeing which one sticks in the moment when it may not stick the next time or down the road or years later. So you need to know what you're looking for. Now, uh, if my wife asks me to go buy some milk at the store, uh, you know, I don't just show up at the store, open up, you know, stand in front of the, the cooler and like, hmm, which one feels good today? Oh, I'll try this one because let me tell you, if like I'm feeling like I'm feeling good and like I need something like sweet, you know what which one looks good? Chocolate milk. It looks amazing. But if I was at the, on the scale before I went to the store, you know which one looks good? Skim milk. It looks a lot better. So you can't just go into like the bar, the club, the wherever and say, well, which one looks good tonight? Because it all depends on everything that happened until you led up to that moment. And it could change the very next day. So there has to be a, a, a plan. There has to be a, a reason. You have to go in with a specific direction. You know, for me, for us, like when I go looking for milk, we go in, I walk into the store, and I know exactly what I'm looking for. I'm looking for non-organic. Why? Because I'd rather send my kids to college than buy organic food. But non-organic, I'm looking for 1%. Why? Because my wife and I grew up differently. She grew up with skim milk, which is like water with white food coloring in it. And I grew up with 2%, which is like liquid glue. So we compromised at 1%. Non-organic, 1%, usually has the light blue cap. Depending on where you go, it might have a purple cap. So I know what I'm going in for. I go in, I find it, I open it up, and I grab it. If you are looking for somebody today, you need to have a plan and an idea of what you're going to look for. So you walk in and you say, this is the individual or this is the type of person that I'm looking for right here. You have a plan. You know, we need to make maybe even a checklist. My wife, Lori, will tell you before we began dating uh, that she had just had a, uh, just kind of a bad relationship right before that. And she was kind of like, almost like, you know, I'm done. I'm just done with dating. And a friend of hers taught, said, you need to just make a list. Make a list of everything you're looking for. And so she wrote down this, like wrote it down, wrote down this list. And then comes me, <laughs> right? Now, I would like to tell you that I matched up to every single thing on that list. But there's several things I don't match up to. I'm not going to share those because I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. <laughs> but she knew what she was looking for. And so she had a plan. She had a list. And it's, I think, 
honestly, I think it's maybe one of those reasons, one of those ideas why I like this idea of online dating. Because uh, online dating wasn't really around. It was kind of coming in when we began to date. But like online dating, like you can kind of feed in your checklist of what you're looking for, right? It's like shopping for a car. Like everything's right there. You just, you know, you can find everything you need. Age, color, previous owners. Like it's all right there for you to be able to see and actually have a plan and to look for. You know, we need to date with a purpose, not for pleasure or a person. Whether you're dating for friendship, community, whether you're dating for marriage, we need to have a plan. One of the things you need to look for at the top of your list, let me just tell you this, if you are here today and you call yourself a Christ follower, if you're watching online and you are a Christian, you have surrendered your life to Jesus, the very top thing on that checklist is that they are a Christian, that they have surrendered their life to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6.14, the very first part of that verse says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Why? If not, disaster will come. But Pastor Scott, I might be able to lead them to Jesus. Man, that would be awesome. You should lead them to Jesus before. Do not think I'm gonna marry them and then bring them to Jesus. That's the different attitude. That's a destructive attitude or idea. You think about it, it's easier to pull somebody up onto a box than it is to pull somebody down off the box, right? Or excuse me, I said that backwards. It's easier to pull them, <laughs> it's easier to pull somebody down off of a box than it is to pull them up on the box. Somebody can take you down a lot easier than you can pull them up. But that needs to be a priority. See, what are you pursuing in a dating relationship? You're pursuing anyone that is joined to the Lord. Someone who is a Christian has similar beliefs about Jesus, the Bible, sin, church, spiritual growth, all of those kinds of things. That should be the top priority. And then look at other things. Things like physical attraction, yes, that's important, but you know what, physical qualities will not last. People over 40, amen, right? People, like, it doesn't last. But finding character that lasts is something that you can look for. Physical attraction changes. Beauty is honestly, if we're really honest about it, beauty is fake, and it changes. The beauty of someone you pursue after can really even become an idol for you. What they have or how they look can become an idol more of a, than a connection with the person. And the idea is that we need to quit swiping right for beauty only, and we need to start seeking after the one who is of God, the one who loves Jesus more than you, the one who makes you feel loved, the one who strives for similar things as you, and the one that has character that's to be admired by you and others. That's the kind of person we need. See, if your dating is done to pursue godly marriage, you will find it. But if it's in pursuit of sin, you'll find that too. And not just in dating, but in marriage and in friendships. What you are pursuing after is what you will find. Sinful relationships with people negatively affect our sanctified relationship with Jesus. If you're taking notes, you might want to jot that down. Sinful relationships with people negatively affect our sanctified relationship with Jesus. How we interact, how we connect with one another, it will affect our relationship with Christ. If you look at John 13, 34, Jesus says this. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. You see, we all must seek to love each other just as Christ has loved us. How is that? That is unconditionally, that is a selfless love. That is how we are to love and to treat other people. We need to have this attitude and to love one another. And how you date directly affects how you marry. What you date for is what you'll marry for 
is what you'll have to live with. You think about it in that way. Married people, listen up for just a second. My hope for you is that you would pursue after deepening the love that you have for each other. That you would date regularly as you once did with the intention of knowing each other better. And that you would love one another despite all the things you know about each other. Because Jesus loves you with all of your faults too. To date one another, even once you're married. It should be a requirement. In 1 Corinthians 6.18, it says this, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside of the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Sexual immorality is one of the most destructive things in our world and in us personally. And if you're wanting to like define, what's, well, what's sexually immoral? What is this? Let me give you a definition. Anything sexual outside of God's design for marriage is sexually immoral. It's sin. You're sinning against yourself and your spouse or your future spouse. And the data shows that those who actually wait to have sex until they are married, those people have more fulfilling, longer lasting marriages than those who don't. What can we learn about this? Sexual sin destroys. It's destructive. So it needs not be a priority when it comes to dating because dating is not about fulfilling your sexual appetite. No, we need to, number two, Flip the script from pursuing pleasure to providing protection. Don't pursue after pleasure, but provide protection. Provide protection for not only yourself, but also for the individual that you are dating, the individual that you are married to, the person that is your friend. Well, how do I remain pure in a dating relationship, Pastor Scott? What, what can I do to remain pure and to keep from being sexually immoral? You've got to set some boundaries. Now, for years, I was a youth pastor, for almost 15 years, and uh, I shared the same four principles uh, with teenagers for years. In fact, I shared them with our youth a year ago before Pastor Jacob got here, and I've heard from Pastor Jacob that they still talk about these four principles that I shared. And so I'm gonna give these to you. These aren't on your notes, so if you wanna jot them down, here's the four principles. The first one is this. Go on group dates. Group dates. A lot less things can happen. In fact, I think so much about this. That my wife and I, we took a chaperone on our first date. It was her sister. Look, you can see this picture where we took her uh, with us uh, on, this, uh, on our first date. <laughs> That's how much I think about this. Group dates, right? But group dates is a great way to go. It's a great way to connect and get to know each other and see how each other interact and connect with other people. Another thing that we can do, boundary, is to keep the lights on. Keep the lights on. A lot less things happen when it's light, lit up than when it's dark. The third one is this, and this is the one that the students apparently like laughed and rolled about is this. Stay vertical. <laughs> Stay vertical. When you're horizontal, bad things happen in a dating relationship. But then also this. Do in private only what you would do in public. And let me, hear, let me make sure I'm clear on this, adults. Age does not matter on boundaries that need to be set. This is for everybody. Now, you might be sitting here saying, Pastor Scott, I got needs. You're right. You need Jesus. <laughs> but Pastor Scott, I'm a man. Well, if you're a man, be disciplined. Be in control of the situation. Help protect not only yourself, but protect the individual that you're dating. But Pastor Scott, I get lonely. Buy a puppy. Like, this other is not going to fulfill that. 
Pastor Scott, like times are a changing. Things have changed, Pastor Scott. Oh, I know times have changed, but you know what I also know? God and his word has not changed. It hasn't. That we've been given these commands, we've been given his word to be able to dive into and to look into so that we can apply these to our life. And this is something that is timeless for us to be able to trust in. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 and 4 and verse 7. It says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Let me stop there for just a second. You've heard the will of God talked about, and you ask this question, for this is the, what's, what's the will of God for my life? This is the will of God for your life, your sanctification. What is sanctification? Sanctification is the process of becoming more like Jesus, becoming more holy, becoming more like him. Well, how do we do that? It says right here, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Verse seven, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Now I'm gonna say something here. And if you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this sentence right here. God is focused on your holiness, not your happiness. He's focused on your holiness, not your happiness. Whether that comes to dating, marriage, Friendships, just relationships in general. He is focused on your holiness, not your happiness. Being in God's presence demands holiness because he is holy. So that's what we are to pursue after. We're to pursue after holiness. Those who call upon the God and bear his name must strive for holiness, both in terms of their own bodies, because it's a temple of the Holy Spirit, but also in terms of the community as a whole. For everybody else that's around us, the people that we interact with, the people that we date, our spouse, our kids, our families, that we are to have this, and we are to have this idea of protecting one another. That we go from being selfish to being selfless, to experience protection in our life. We are called out from the world as Christ followers. We are set apart and we have been meant to, or made to reflect the image of God and his holiness. That's what we've been called to do. You know, we need to reflect God's holiness in our dating and in our marriages. The world's way of dating fails. It does fail. As dating practices have changed and gotten worse, divorce has risen. It's risen. Everything we're getting wrong in dating is everything we're getting wrong in marriage. Because when it comes to dating, it's, I'll just have this person, I'll just use or abuse this person, and then when I'm done or I'm tired or something else looks better or someone else looks better, I'll just switch and I'll move on to the next one. And that happens in our dating. It happens in our marriages. Married people hear this. The grass is not always greener on the other side. The grass is always greener where you water it. Your marriage should be watered by investing in your marriage by dating your spouse. A good friend of mine and one of our church members, Miss Karen Laughlin, many of you know her, uh, she heard me walking through my message the other day and then uh, she shared with me something she had heard on the radio that I wanted to share with you all, that most couples haven't been on a romantic date in three years. My encouragement is that you would date one another, that you would make a plan. My, this is the homework for anybody in here that's married. This is your homework. That today, on your way home or sometime today, you're going to schedule a date with your spouse in the next 30 days. 
And as soon as that date happens in the next 30 days, your homework is in to do it again. And then within every 30 days, you're scheduling a date. And it doesn't have to be some big, huge thing. You're like, Pastor Scott, we don't, we don't, we're financially right now, we're a little strapped. Use the money to pay for the babysitter. Just go to the park for an hour. The conversations that you can have, the interaction, the deepening of your relationship, you can't afford not to. Because here's what I know. Husbands, remember when you pursued after your wife? Remember when you went after, you pursued after, you, uh, you, know, you cleaned up yourself? Cleaned up your, your car, you cleaned up yourself, you, you shaved, you, you, did, you got your hair cut, you put on some nice clean clothes, a little Axe body spray, I don't, you know, a little eau de toilette, or whatever it was that you did. And you got ready. And you went to pick up your now spouse. You showed up with some flowers. You made dinner reservations, you know, at Applebee's or whatever it was. And you even got creative in the little things that you did. You remember the little stuff? Do it again. Bring that back. Water the grass in your own marriage. Because the goal of dating and marriage is to pursue companionship with holiness. Pursue companionship with holiness. Protect your marriage by seeking pleasure found only with your spouse. For those of you that are dating, protect your dating relationship uh, by seeking pleasure within the confines of what God says is correct, not when you are not married, and protect one another. Now, some of you might be saying, well, what if it's too late? What if I've gone too far in my marriage? Or what if I've gone too far with the, the, the people or some people that I have dated over the years and, or maybe in the relationship that I'm in, in right now? What if, I've, it's too, what if it's too late? I've gone too far. I've messed up. What do I do now? You stop. You fix it. You ask for forgiveness. You repent, meaning you change directions. Instead of pursuing after sinful things, you turn and go the other direction to pursue after God. You try to bring that person along with you. Because here's what I know. Repentance is the only thing that can bring restoration in our relationships. It's the only thing. Repentance. And that's our relationship with others. It's our relationship with Christ. So we need to repent. Maybe in your marriage or in your dating relationship right now, there's some things that you need to repent for and seek forgiveness from the other person. Repent and restore regularly, married people, with your spouse and with the Lord. Maybe you go to counseling now while things are good. Before it gets too bad or too far gone, maybe go to counseling now just to iron out the little things so that when something big comes along, it's a lot easier to step into that process. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. See, our body and our relationships are not our own. They belong to the Lord. As a Christian, we've been bought by the blood of Jesus, and we are to glorify God in all things, in all areas of our life. Which leads to number three. Flip the script from personal achievement to intentional purpose. Flip the script from personal achievement to intentional purpose. Some people date for personal achievement. Look who I dated. Look what I got. Look at this. Look at how many people I've been with. And they have this personal achievement idea. And they will do anything to get it. Let me blow your mind for a second. Did you know that not everyone is truthful when they date? Surprise anybody? 
People will tell lies, they will present themselves falsely all the time to get what they want, and they can bait you into a sinful relationship as soon as you let your guard down. Someone might even pretend to be a Christian to lure you in, and as soon as you give in on your identity in Christ, you will be destroyed from within. Your identity in Christ is the best thing about you, and your life and choices must reflect it, and your relationships. If you look at Romans 12, 9 and 10, it gives us some practical steps to being holy while dating, uh, single or married. Uh, it says here, don't just pretend that you love others, really love them. What? Don't pretend, don't pretend to actually love others. Stop being fake and stop you know, leading each other or leading other people on. It says, hate what is wrong. Stand on the side of good to hate what is wrong. Not the person, not if, even if it's yourself, but to hate the wrong that is being done. And it says to love each other with genuine affection. It's that agape love. To love people in that way. And to take delight, it closes out on this verse, in honoring each other. To honor each other, to make each other better. To want what is best for both of you. That's the idea and the mindset we should have in our dating relationships. And the purpose in marriage and dating is the same as in life. Glorify God and make his name known. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me tell you this. People are watching you. As a Christian, how you speak and act, and even marry and date. They are watching. Does how you live, does how you date, reflect the God whom you claim to love? You see, we must lay down, as it says in this passage, all things and sin that hinder our testimony of our great God. Maybe we need to lay down and repent of how we date, or maybe even who we've dated. As we see here in this verse, the life is a race that we are running with one purpose, to pursue after Jesus who endured the cross on our behalf. Now, when we see this, this idea of understanding that Jesus died on the cross in our place, that he, you know, with all of our faults, with all of our sin and our struggle, that he still loved us. And that we should love one another despite all of our faults and all of our sins and all of our struggle. To realize that none of us is perfect, but we have a purpose and the purpose is to glorify God in everything that we do. If you look at Colossians 3.17, it says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see, life is not about personal achievement. It is about our God-directed, intentional purpose. Recognize your purpose. Develop a plan and pursue after it of glorifying God in all things, in all areas of your life. Let's pray. Father God, this morning, Lord, I want to thank you for your son Jesus and Father for the opportunity to be able to, uh, to open your word. And God, that uh, this is a message I hope that can connect with each and every one of us. But God, especially for those that are in this room or listening online, Father, those that are, uh, that are single, the unmarried people, God, that they would realize that they're dating. Father, that if it's a way of the world that they are dating, that Father, it's going to lead them down a dark path of destruction. That, Father, there needs to be an intentional purpose. It needs to be less about who they're pursuing and more about what they're pursuing. 
And then within their dating relationships, they need to not be so focused on themselves, but focus on both and protecting one another. Father, as we said in this message, that you are more concerned about our holiness than our happiness. And Father, we are to glorify you in the things that we do. Father, my hope and prayer is that people today would know that you love them despite their, their faults and their sins and their temptations. And that, Father, that when we have sin in our life, God, it prevents us from seeing you clearly. But, Father, you sent your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so that we could be connected with you for all eternity. And, Father, all that requires is for us to simply humble ourselves and to surrender to you in love to allow you to become the Lord and Savior of our life. Anyone in here, anyone watching online can make that profession today. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.